it was funny as um, as Perry was talking about opening Sunday coming up. You know, it's true that I think opening Sunday used to have a significance for this community, which it no longer fully retains. At one time, many years ago, this congregation closed down in the summertime. It didn't have any platforms at all for June, July, and August, I think. Is that right? Someone's, I'm looking, you guys know. Yeah, June, July, and August. And then, um, and then I'm looking at Michelle because she's one of the people who, along with others, said, well, hey, I kind of like being here, and I might like to be here for those three months. And so with many other people and support from wonderful staff and leaders, they created a summer program. And um, And this summer, we have been so lucky and happy to have many visitors and to have our kind of full complement of platforms through the year, but it does mean that that opening Sunday coming up feels a little different. What exactly are we opening on September 13th this year? Particularly because, again, as Perry mentioned, September 6th will be the opening of our month of invitation, the theme, the idea that we will explore through the month of September. And that's one way that the summer is still different for us, Through the year, September through June, we explore a different theme each month. And part of what we'll do today, part of what we'll do today is to look at the themes of the last year and how that wove into our own lives and our lives as a community. If you are brand new today, and there are many of you who have come in for the very first time, I do not think you will be lost in this platform. I think actually you'll have a sense of the journey that this community has been on over the last year. I've been thinking about that a lot, about the the story of a community over the arc of a year. As I've revisited each month and the theme that we looked at, I've thought, too, about what was going on in the lives of individuals here, in the lives of the world at large. And I want to invite you to take a moment to look around at the art, to notice in a moment the music. Our chorus is singing for us today and inviting us to sing with them the songs of each month. We've already heard two of them. Tula Clizio began homecoming, our September theme last year, and then we'll pass them on was our, uh, our October theme song. Now a reminder from the chorus of November, and I invite you to hum and sing if you remember this song, to just close your eyes and listen if you would like, to allow the colors, the art, the music to wash over you throughout our platform this morning. We began last year with the theme of homecoming. See if you can remember back in September. Oh, that's a good song, too. (laughs) But I won't sing it for you right now. But bring your mind back to that month last year, last September, as we came together to think about what homecoming meant. This community had just come through a year of loss and conflict, and so we looked at homecoming from that lens. The time around the world felt as though it was in the midst of loss and conflict, too, 
We have just passed the one-year anniversary of Mike Brown's killing, and the beginning of the movement for black lives was coalescing in the protests in Ferguson at that time. And so as we looked at what it meant to come home to our community, we looked, too, at the sense of home in the world that we and other people experience and do not experience. What does it mean to come home to the world when all the systems of oppression weave through that world as well? September also saw a great loss in our own community. We are quickly approaching the one-year anniversary of the death of Becca Pardo, who was raised in our Sunday school and whose mother, Sue, is a beloved member of this congregation. And so that, too, was woven through our coming together, the grief that we felt for Becca and with her mother was a part of what it meant to come together as a community as we explored that theme of homecoming. Our October theme was death. I remember as we approached that month, people came up saying, I'm not sure we should do it. It feels too tender and too scary. It feels depressing, someone said. How can we talk about death for a whole month? The month of death had one of my favorite art pieces. You can see it in that back corner right there with the spiraling in. And one of the interesting things for me was that that month was among the richest and the most remembered in this community. I asked people recently to reflect on what they recalled from the past year. And that month came up again and again the ability to be together talking about the reality of our own future deaths, about death as we experience them among people that we love. We began, I think, to struggle in that month with the both and of life, the reality that life is complicated, joy and grief woven fine. In November, we moved on to beauty and looked again at the complication there, the idea of both honoring beauty and finding it around us and also naming that beauty, particularly as we think about human beauty, might not be the most important thing. We struggled with expectations around beauty. And our Stone Soup celebration that month, which is one of our beloved yearly traditions took on that theme as we looked at vegetables beautiful and not and how they all came together in the soup. Do you remember that moment? I challenged some of the children to bring in the funniest looking vegetables they could find and lo and behold the soup was delicious. In December, we began the month of celebration. That seemed, when we chose the theme years ago, like the perfect time for celebration. And yet I invite you to think back to last December. The non-indictment in Mike Brown's killing had come out, and December was rapidly becoming a month of protests, 
a month of grief and loss as people grappled with the system of racism in our country. It was the one month that we wondered if we needed to change the theme. Could we even explore celebration at that time? We went forward, but part of what we did was look at how we celebrate in times of grief, which is every time, right? How do we lift up joy and happiness in the midst, and how can our celebration be richer because of our awareness of the complication of life? I remember long conversations as we led up to that month with Bailey Whiteman, our chorus director, seeking a song that would do justice to how we were feeling as a community that month. We ended up with a song you will hear in a little bit, a song that is one of both celebration and protest in Israel. It is a folk song from that country. And I think, too, about Winter Festival and conversations as we led up to that other beloved tradition of ours, one of our Saturday evening traditions. Winter Festival is a celebration of peace, love, joy, hope, and giving all that is wonderful and right that we bring into the world. This past year, it fell one day after a vigil against police brutality in which so many in this community participated. How, we wondered, could we hold these two things in one 24-hour span? How do we hold them in one community, in one world? And so I remember the candlelight vigil photographs that we incorporated into our candlelighting ceremony of hope at Winter Festival as we sought again to acknowledge the complication and the beauty in life. Later that month, we had a platform service on Blue Christmas, another kind of sadness in December, as many of us experience both the joy and the challenge of the holidays. It comes out, of course, in little ways. Will my turkey be right enough? And actually, half the people coming only eat veggie loaf. And then in more challenging ways. This holiday has always been hard for me. How do I interact now with my family of origin? In January, we began worth and dignity and returned to some of the core principles of ethical culture. We often talk about how right at the core of ethical culture is the affirmation of worth in every person, a key part of who we are. And we looked at it that month in both personal ways. How do we see that in those with whom we are most intimate, with our spouses, with our children, with our friends? And then how do we find worth across divides that seem uncrossable? Daryl Davis spoke to us about his work as an African-American man befriending members of the KKK and the transformation that occurred for them and for him. In February, we looked at duty and commitment and talked about that word duty and what it could possibly mean to a bunch of progressive, individualistic, you know, go-with-your-own-experience kind of people. 
Interestingly, I think by the end of the month, many of us at least thought that duty was one of the most important words. Felix Adler, the founder of Ethical Culture, you might remember, actually wrote a book called The Religion of Duty, which is how he defined ethical culture, the idea that without scripture, without a particular text, it is our duty, our moral grounding that is most central. Bailey spoke during that month. You might recall talking about duty and her ethic of duty, how grounded that is for her. In March, we looked at sacred. I think about half of us loved that word and the other half considered a boycott. Luckily, mostly you came. We struggled with the word, what it might mean for us in a humanistic congregation And some of us found a joy in being able to break it open a little bit, that word, to understand its meaning for us. That month also held a visit from the El Rodeo community. You might remember this is our sister community in El Salvador, and and we had two folks from that community come and visit us. They talked about what was most sacred to them, water. They do not have access to running water in their community. And, of course, suddenly the word shifts in its meaning for us. April was the month of imperfection. This was everyone's favorite theme, from what I could tell. (laughs) We talked about imperfection in our own lives and imperfection in a community. And again, as a community, we said goodbye to a staff member and thought about the change that comes over time, the imperfectness, the instability of any community like ours. Our spring festival, another tradition, fell during imperfection, and we talked, as always, about the blossoming of dreams, but this time acknowledged how they blossom so often imperfectly. Many of you also remembered the double baby naming during Spring Festival. That was the only um, aberration from imperfection because we all knew that Jack-Jack and Walter were, in fact, perfect. (laughs) Their parents, who are both here, may disagree at 3 (laughs) a.m. But we think so. May was the month of transformation, that, that poster is another one of my favorites. You can see it here. One of the beautiful things about the transformation poster was that it involved the entire community in its creation. Children and adults gathered with Shirley in the weeks before transformation, adding their own colors to that poster, transforming it before their eyes. Transformation marked the beginning of my sabbatical. I was here only for the first Sunday, so I don't know what you all did after that. Something transformative. No, I do know, actually. You heard then from teens and young adults talking about their own transformation and explored conflict as transformation, how we transform conflict and are transformed by it so that it can be an act of good and change in our lives. And then in June, we closed with joy and humor. That's the poster covered in comics up at the end here. 
you talked about the experience of joy found in play and participation in, in children and parenting. And yet, just as in December we struggled as a community, this past June was the month of the massacre at Charleston, Mother Emanuel, AME in Charleston, South Carolina. I was on sabbatical during that time, but the board responded to the community with a note of care and recommitment. And the officiant, who was Perry Bider that that Sunday, knew that our opening song would not quite work for joy and humor and found a different song for our community to sing. I think that was the only Sunday this past year that we changed our song to note an event in the world. Again, the richness of noticing that a community like ours cannot be only about happiness and celebration, that even with our joy is an awareness of the complexity, the sadness, the anger, the tragedy of life. We'll hear now that song from December, a song of celebration and protest. So that was our year. Those themes that surround us in art and that we hear in music are what we explored together. I... I was so taken as I invited people to reflect back on that time that the themes that were most resonant, the themes that people remembered and drew from still, were death and imperfection. We think sometimes about a community like ours being a place where you come to be uplifted, and I hope that is so. I hope it's true that we have a note of possibility, of joy in the world. And yet I think the role that our community plays is so much more vital in helping us to integrate all that we experience in our lives, to notice the reality that our lives are never picture perfect, never just celebration or just joy. And neither, of course, is the world. I remember in October, as we, as we addressed the topic of death, a visitor coming and saying to me, I've never been to a, a church or a, or a congregation before where they actually talked about death. It was her first time to have that reality acknowledged in a community. And over and over that month, we heard an appreciation of the chance to speak candidly, about this reality that, spoiler alert, (laughs) will come to all our lives. 
It was also a key theme for our children. Our children in the K through 5th grades use these same themes for their curriculum in Sunday school. And again, people wondered if, if they would be ready to talk about death. Do they think about that? Well, parents of young children know, in fact, children tend to think about death a lot during that age. They have so many questions. And we found that our children during that Sunday school period were especially engaged. They created little memorials to people or animals in their lives who had died. So our cat, Mara, is still in a little paper memorial on our mantle at home. One of my children, in fact, was not yet alive when Mara died. It was a couple of years before she was born, but she remembers Mara. (laughs) She misses her. She gets a little teary. (laughs) Death is such a reality for our children, and I think our ability as adults to name it as a reality ourselves is part of what a community like this exists to do. And then, of course, imperfection. We loved imperfection, didn't we? There was a running joke that month that it was good that imperfection was the theme because every week on Sunday something seemed to go wrong. (laughs) Oh, good, it's imperfection. We planned it that way, we would say over and over again. There's an authenticity, I think, to those two themes An authenticity that says we are a community for real people, for all people. That yes, we might come together to be uplifted and hopeful, but that we never want to sink into being a place of fake plastered on smiles. That is an act of resistance itself, I think. There's so much pressure in the external culture to be okay. What's the answer? How are you? Fine, thanks. Right? Can we be a place where that doesn't have to be the answer? Where perhaps the easiest, quickest answer is, oh, imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm imperfect. How do we make each Sunday, then, a place where you are welcome no matter what your experience that day? No matter whether you are sad or happy Joyful or angry, tired or full of hope. We have been busily preparing for the year ahead and the year of themes. And, um, and one of the questions that we've had, we had a big meeting recently with, with volunteers and members from all kinds of, you know, from, from the music team and from the Sunday officiants group and from Sunday school and adult education. And they all came together to talk about the themes for the coming year and to share ideas. And one of the questions that came up, not unsurprisingly, because we are nothing if not a people of questions, right, was, um, well, why do we do themes anyway? What, what's that about? One of the shortest answers, and I actually think it's a good one, is that your, your staff really loves it. <laughs> it <laughs> all of us on staff find that it helps our planning for the year immensely, our ability to look forward months ahead and see what it is that we will be doing. We've been doing themes here for about six and a half years 
and, um, and continue to enjoy the way that it helps that. So that's no small thing for your staff to, to like its ability to interact with all of you as we plan for the Sunday, the Sundays ahead. We certainly don't do themes because we think these are the most important words in the world, as though they are a kind of scripture or lectionary. In the end, their way is really just of shaping our conversation together, our conversation as a community over the year. They provide, too, a connection between upstairs and downstairs, as we still call it, although several of our Sunday school classes are, in fact, on the same level. <laughs> it enables our children and adults, many of them, to be thinking about the same things And this year, we're adding a take-home question element to encourage more conversation at home. And then, of course, there's the art. When I asked people what they liked most about this past year, and I wish Shirley were here to, to hear this. She, of course, is doing art with our children right now. Frequently, what they came back with was the collages. I briefly considered having you come for platform today and then just inviting you to walk around and look at the collages instead of listening to me because they are indeed so beautiful. But one of the things that people liked most, I think, were the way that they incorporated words from the community. And that's been such a growth for us with our themes As you know, in the two weeks before the theme begins, we gather community thoughts on a big piece of paper, and those are incorporated not just into the artwork but into the platforms. They shape how we look at the theme in Sunday school and here upstairs in platform service as well. It's a way then for us as a community to participate in meaning-making, so key for a group of largely existentialists. We who believe that the meaning in the world is what we create, what we make. Of course, we are not just meaning makers, but we are also justice seekers and compassion creators. And so all through the year, we ask how these themes relate not just to us, but to the world out there, to the struggles that we have in our own lives and to the struggles that other people and communities face. There the conversation becomes not just among us, but added to by guest speakers, by partnerships with communities and organizations, by the places where we serve and learn and work and grow, enriched by and enriching the world. John is singing and running the soundboard, a man of many talents. That was fire of commitment from February our month of duty and commitment. As I've looked back over these themes of the past year, I have seen, too, the arc of the year as a whole and thought about the turning of another congregational year as we we reach that not-quite-still-but-still marker of opening Sunday. I think... The ability to step back, to look at a year, gives us that balcony view on our own lives and on the world around us. I became even more aware than I had been before about how the movement for black lives wove its way through several of the themes throughout the year. I thought about those babies that we dedicated at Spring Festival in April 
and when they joined our community, how they grew in that time. Sabbatical gave me that sense of a balcony view as well, being away for three months and coming back to find children taller, babies older, all of us different. Many years ago, I had a a major surgery, and in the recovery period, one of the most frustrating things to me was that I couldn't see a daily progression. You might have experienced that if you've recovered from surgery or a major illness. You want Wednesday to be better than Tuesday and Thursday to be better than Wednesday, but sometimes Wednesday's better and Thursday's worse. <laughs> That's so true for us in our lives, in, in, in physical recovery and healing and in emotional healing as well, as we grapple with grief or sadness. And so the opportunity to take a long view can help. Someone told me those years ago that I needed to look at my recovery week by week. Was this Tuesday better than last Tuesday? Forget about Monday, which was a dud. And so, too, as we look at a year, we can see our own growth, our own healing, our own transformation over a long course. We can see our lives month by month or six months by six months. Sometimes to see justice movements unfold, we need to look decade by decade or to see beauty unfolding around us. We might look season by season to see the world from a bird's eye view. That a reminder of our month in March as we explored sacred, of course, with a song that is almost entirely questions. (laughs) Were these themes from the last year the perfect ones for all time? Of course not. It's not how we do it here, right? Will the ones this coming year be perfect? Certainly not. Again, for me, each of these ideas, these questions, these wonderings are about the conversation it brings up. It's about the way we struggle with celebration amidst protest or joy in the midst of grief. It's the way we inhabit perfection, imperfection, (laughs) Freudian slip, as deeply as possible. You like that, Billy? Billy's laughing at me now. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Good thing imperfection was a theme. I wonder what we will discover from this year's themes, what conversation we will have This coming year, we are using themes as part of a consortium with other congregations, and so we have the opportunity for conversation beyond our walls. We'll have a packet, too, for each month with take-home exercises that one could do in small groups or at home in your family, questions and poems and movie suggestions. You might look at all of them or none of them, They're all just different ways to allow us as a community to be in conversation with each other, to disagree, to think, to create meaning, to show up authentically, to struggle and wonder and ask questions. 
Someone said they thought that imperfection should always be our theme, our meta theme, perhaps. I like that idea. I like thinking that whatever words and ideas we might explore, we do so remembering our own imperfection. Not just remembering it, but reveling in it, you know? Noticing the humanity of it. Celebrating the mess. Creating meaning out of the difficult and the sad in life. Justice out of the tragic and the unfair. And doing it always a little bit wrong. So we can try again the next day, the next year, the next time around the sun. Perhaps, perhaps we are the Washington imperfect society. It's about good enough for me.